Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good Friday afternoon to you. This is The Call. We are live from our studios here at Barangaroo in the heart of Sydney's financial district. This is the program, 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests to talk about them all. In one hour, it's Friday, the 17th of June. Joining me in studio, which is so nice for the full hour, David Novak from Wealthwise Education and Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Guys, welcome, first of all, on this Friday. It would be remiss of me not to get a thought from you on, yeah, this route that we're seeing in Mm. equities. This local market, David, how vulnerable is it still looking to you? (laughs) Well, I wish I had a crystal ball, but, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of fear. the big question is today, it looks like there's a, bit, a little bit of a capitulation out there today. Um, I'm actually looking, I'm buying some stuff today. Uh, I've got, I mean, look, some of the bargains out there, some people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater or the kitchen sink right now on, on some valuation. So, I, you know, this is where, you know, when you're cashed up and you're, you're prepared, the investors out there, professional investors who are ready for these opportunities, they're golden, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm having a nibble out there. But it does look a bit ridiculous. I mean, look, I'm a derivatives trader as well, options. So what I just did this morning, sold some what they call put options out of the money on BHP at 40, 41.02 strike price. So I'm getting about 43 cents premium. So in other words, BHP would have to go down below by next week, next Thursday, below something like, what's that, $40.50 for me to lose on that trade and, you know, where the stock is today. So... To me, I'm happy to pick up BHP down there. So I think BHP is just overdone here. It's just an overreaction. So as a volatility trader, which is what I am in derivatives, I see great opportunities out there when there's a lot of fear. So, you know, depends which side of the fence you're on, of course. But there is a lot of recessionary fears out there with the Fed raising rates. I think, you know, you don't want to kill the golden goose. Um, you know, they, they, they've allowed this to go too far. This is the problem central banks have done for a while now, since all the way back going back to the dot-com mania, and especially the GFC, they just went too far with it. You know, they started to do it in 2018 in December, and they just did a 360 and went, you know, a backflipped, and that's where they've lost their credibility here. So I, I look, my thoughts are this: is that um, yes, of course, there's there's recessionary fears out there, and I don't, I think the inflation rate may you may see to ease off. Um, and uh, I, I, I just can't see why raising rates is going to solve anything at the moment. So I think they're backed in a corner right now. And they so, may back off is what you're implying. Exactly. All right. I know that's your view, uh, Mark. But mm. in terms of this local market, the selling isn't over or, or is it? Could this be a bit of capitulation happening? Oh, it's now? very dangerous calling the low. Um, look, I did a bit of relative value sort of studies. Went back to um, December ni- uh, 2019 to basically get some, because obviously we've had that massive rally in the NASDAQ and the S&P, etc., um, just to try and get some sort of um, 
know, broadest perspective on the market. I mean, we're now pretty much every global indice is down about seven percent plus, probably closer to ten. Hong Kong down thirty uh, from that period. Um, interestingly, interestingly, with the Australian market, we're now down seven percent since that December two thousand nineteen. Yep. Yet company profits are up forty six percent over that period. So. I think that, you know, look, this isn't a market to be, you know, I think fundamentals have hurt you because you probably would have been getting in far too early um, because at the moment it's just it's, the market's been driven by pure sentiment. But um, I think on, from a relative value point of view, look, you, you know, if you're invested, yeah, it's a really stressful time. If you're coming in with cash, you would be rubbing your hands together. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's, you know, it's different, you know, glass half full, glass half empty, but um, we've been buying a little bit of gear. Um, there's some big distributions coming up from that last dividend season. Um, and from, you know, we pretty much just started, you know, basically through this week, but that, um, at these prices, we're looking at, um, at beta shares leverage long in the ASX. Um, being, you know, it's be, it'd have to be north of a six okay. percent div, uh, distribution there. So, so that's the beta shares geared Australian equity uh, hedge fund. That's an ETF, and uh, we've just got two sort of bonus uh, insights into what these guys are buying. Let's find out if there is any opportunity in any of these names. We'll be discussing Woolworths, Block, Michael Hill, Wiseway Group, and Star Entertainment in this first half hour of the show. But stock of the day, I thought we'd have a look at GUD. Out with a market update, stating underlying earnings for the year should come in around $150 million. It says that it's expanding its portfolio, but it is warning about supply chain issues. This is a profit downgrade that came through. So what do our experts think about this one? GUD, if you're talking about value coming into the market, I mean, that is an update that many would debate whether it warrants a near 20% sell-off today. Oh, look, yeah, I... I just can't help but think this is a little bit overdone today. Uh, yeah, but obviously supply constraint issues have affected them with the Chinese China lockdown and the Ukraine uh, crisis, of course. Um, their EBITDA, what they've uh, downgraded is from 155-160 million um, down to um, um, 147 million. Not much of a you know downgrade, but really to be down 21 and a half percent. I don't know. I, I certainly wouldn't be a seller down here, that's for sure. I, I think down here, it, it's even accumulate, uh, in my view. But uh, look, they have got supply constraints, like uh, many other companies out there. So, um, But I just think it's overdone down here, personally. And again, I think with a lot of fear out there, creates opportunities. <laughs> and it's, this, is, this is possibly one that, at the moment, but you wouldn't be going guns blazing at the moment, but certainly at this price level, Look, it's a solid business. Um, I, I wouldn't be adverse to picking up some shares down here. I'm going to call that a buy. So we're seeing GUD evolving toward the auto parts aftermarket. It has made some acquisitions, so really getting into that ability to service some of those, uh, you know, the, the SUVs and four-wheel drives as well. It's got a pipeline of further acquisitions. Is GUD looking good value today? Uh, look, I think at best I'd sort of be calling it a hold now because obviously, you know, the damage has been done overall. It's not that bad. You're certainly not bad, that bad of a business to be selling it down here. Um, I've always found it a bit of a complicated business. There's a lot going on. Their accounts are all over the shop. Um, you know, inflation, I think, is going to hurt their margins a little bit. Um, you know, the rise of electric vehicles as well is, uh, you know, from a long-term perspective, is going to... Um, you know, there's a lot less parts in an electric vehicle um, with oil prices up here and petrol prices the way they are. I think um, 
that trend's going to you know very solidly switch to cars that aren't going to need as much servicing, etc. But look, as David said, it's not it's not a bad business. Um, another example of you know Aussie Broadband, all they did was lower the top end of their guidance, and then and since that point they're down f- nearly forty percent. So you know down twenty percent is not um, at you know these guys these guys seem to be almost giving from what you know they're a little bit they move their guidance around a little bit too much. Um, and I think, you know, they've almost created their own problem here. Other options in the space is maybe ARB, et cetera. But, um, yeah, look, it's... Okay. Yeah, it's, it's it'll just be a hold for me for now, yeah. Let's get on to some of these companies that have been nominated by you, our viewers. Just an early reminder that this is not financial advice. This is not for your specific position. Uh, so just take it at that. Do your own research. For Mitch, he wants to know about Woolworths. Woolworths, I'll start with you, Mark Gardner. Staples performed well through the pandemic. Uh, Woolworths, I noted, saying that it will freeze prices on a basket of uh, groceries just to respond to some of those cost of living pressures. Is Woolworths a buy? Uh, look, it, it, they have been sold off. I mean, norm, normally these consumer staples are a really great you know, margin of safety um, in markets. They do have quite a high debt to capital ratio, um, the highest in their sector, basically. Um, they also have the highest net margin, so hence why they can probably uh, freeze some prices there. Um, look, supply, it's going to be you know, rising interest rate risks, inventory management, ri- you know, rising, wa- rising wage costs and things could affect them. But um, look, it's certainly looking at fairly attractive down here. It's, you know, it's not too far away from, it's only about $3 away from you know, pandemic lows. Um, those rising wage costs may have already sort of come through for Woolworths. I think they've had, um, you know, they had trouble getting staff through COVID, etc. And I think maybe the clean and you know the extra cleaning fees, etc., might off- offset that rise in the um, in the wages. But um, look, yeah, yeah, I, I know you don't allow a nibble, so I'm probably just going to say a hold at this stage. Um, I'm just a little bit concerned about, you know, technically they're under pressure um, and I think in the consumer staple space, I think there's cheaper options out there, um, you know, possibly, you know, in the agricultural space, the Australian okay. agric- agricultural um, food and then the food ETF in the States, I think, has been very downtrodden as well. Um, so there there are other margin of safety options out there in the market at the moment. But um, okay. Yeah. It's a hold. Woolworths for Mark Gardner. Now, when we get to you, David Novak, um, technically, you know, to Mark's point, it's coming under pressure. Why would you buy now? Why wouldn't you wait for a turnaround? Um, well, because of the valuation down here. You know, it's really, um, it is um, certainly presenting some good value. Well, the question is, can it present even more value? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, who knows? Uh, technically, I agree with Mark, you know, it's just not looking great on the technical basis. Fundamentally, it looks great. You know, their, their third quarter sales is up um, 10% to 15 billion. I mean, they've forecast strong free cash flow going forward, 75% payout ratio. So, you know, that, that supports the dividend going forward. Um, the question is, can you get it cheaper? You know, it's, technically, it's not a buy. Uh, at best, it's a hold. Uh, but, you know, great business. I mean, you know, they're obviously they can pass on costs as well to the consumers. Um, so right now, it's yeah, you wouldn't just rush in and buy Woolies at the moment, but geez, get ready. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it looks great down here. And, and technically on the support level, it looks really good down here around $33, just so under. Look for that or 33 or below. Let's get to the next one on the list for Piper. Well, this is an area of the market that divides people, doesn't it? Uh, the buy now, pay later space. So this is Block, SQ2, 
every day it feels as if we're seeing outsized selling coming through in block in response to you know growth concerns price of future uh, earnings all all of you know the the well-worn path but is there a price for everything not for this one not for my money, uh, at all I mean, this is the one that got, you know, got APT got taken, Afterpay got taken by over by Square. I don't know how many times I said this uh, over over the last year or so more about the buy now pay later space. I mean, it's clearly in a bubble. I kept saying, couldn't believe where uh, Afterpay got to. Never made a profit. And then Square, who took over the company and now Block, um, you know, they got up to two hundred and sixty dollars US a share in October. Now down to sixty bucks or less. Um, you know, the multiples, the earnings, it's just ridiculous, you know. And yet I heard analysts out there saying, oh, don't look at PE ratios or multiples because you've got to forecast, you know, 10, 12 years, 15 years in the view. I mean, are you kidding? I mean, what kind of crystal ball do you have? Uh, so, you know, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I've been around the place for 40 years now and the market said, I said, well, that's what they said before the 87 crash. That's what they said before the dot-com mania, the GFC, but this time might be different, you know. Is it different? No, it's not. And now it's coming down to some, you know, valuation where you could look at it. But still, trend-wise, earnings-wise, it's it's not a buy. It's it's always been a sell for me. I had a conversation with uh, an analyst earlier on who said that there will be winners still in the buy now pay later space. Whether you think that there's more regulation coming, whether you agree with the business model, whether you debate whether it's credit or not, there will be people using this product. Is Block positioned to be one of the winners out of that? Uh, look, their broader business, because uh, I actually watched that piece this morning, um, and it was and it was quite interesting that perspective. Um, look, it's is now the right time to be making that bet. You know, you know what I mean. Like, um, and it's absolutely categorically one thousand percent not the time to be making that bet. So, because it's it's a binary trading decision essentially. It, because whoever wins is going to win big, and whoever loses is is broke. So, you know, the revenue revenue multiple that's dead for in, until the next big bull run. So, you know, this is what these things were running off. Um, I've had this one, and uh, you know, I've given an opinion on this before, and. You know, they were making Afterpay was making a billion dollars and then just respending it to you know to try to gain that first mover's advantage. And I said at the time, they you know we ne they need to be being you know growing up as a company and perhaps you know foreseeing that they should be putting some of that money away um, and not just not just going on this ridiculous expansion because rates were never going to stay at mm. emergency levels forever. Look, it's come it's come around a lot faster than everyone thought, but you know, like BHP's got a 20 or 20 30 year plan. Like, you don't have to be BHP, but you you can certainly plan a couple of years in advance, and they just haven't done that. Which, pretty big, you know. I, I think um, getting bought out, the Australian owners were lucky. Yeah, super lucky. They absolutely nailed it. Um, and look, it's an avoid. But you know, Apple's got a, this product now. PayPal's got this product now. Every, everyone's got this product. There's a, there's a thousand new mm -hmm. entries to the market in the US. They're getting regulatory um, under the regulatory microscope as well. Um, I think you you know this is a, this is a stock for a buoyant market, not not for what we're in. So at the if you were Piper, and I don't have the context, but um, a lot of people, <laughs> some people did very well and got out, mm. you know, and have made their money in that whole buy now pay later space. But there are those that are still holding. 
Uh, would you sell if you owned Block right now? Yes, to take the tax loss. Yeah, would you sell? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yep. Okay, yeah. there you go, Paper. If she, if she needs some convincing, she needs to find a friend who owns Zip and ask them about their experience with that, and then she'll be convinced. So. There you go. That's uh, look into Block. Let's get on to Michael Hill. MHJ is the ticker code. This is for Lucy. So this is a company many will know in the jewellery business. You know, not sort of... Uh, really high-end, but really accessible. But uh, we are in an environment where we're really questioning what's going to happen to the consumer. Michael Hill's actually done quite well. Mm, mm. Um, but when you look at this company in terms of a buy, hold, sell today, mm. uh, what would you be doing? I would definitely would not be buying it, given the trend. You know, the trend is very negative here. And again, what I've learned over nearly 40 years around in the markets is, you know, don't buy against the trend wait for signs of the trend turning up. Um, you know, if you're a longer-term investor, you might accumulate if, if you've got that kind of fundamental, prim fundamental premise. The business, look, it's been really, uh, these numbers are pretty good uh, in terms of their earnings growth and return on equity has been um, pretty impressive, I've got to say. Plus, it's got a yield unfranked of around close to 7% now. But, um, you know, even the, the third quarter update at the end of March, I mean, they're up 11%. And, Considering you know comments from the CEO saying even uh, dealing with the Omicron uh, virus, they're very pleased with the result, and they still have a strong outlook and, and growth outlook in terms of um, you know acquiring more um, uh, store, you know, expanding their store rollout. So um, you know, look, if you like this space, um, discretionary items, it's it's an area that's getting hit really hard at the moment because of these recessionary fears. It's not a buy for me. Um, there's other spaces that I, I, I like better than the, the um, you know, discretionary space like this one. But uh, look, the numbers are great, but I wouldn't be buying it. It's, it's, but if you've got it out there, you might want to hold. However, the trend is not your friend right now. So um, the question is, where's the bottom? Don't know. And how, how much worse can the economy get down in the future? Will people stop buying jewellery? More than likely, you know, if they've got to pay off their mortgage or with higher fuel, fuel costs as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, look, it's not a buy for me. Not a buy. What about you, Mark? Yeah, look, incredibly well-run business. Um, it's dropped, you know, it, about 40-odd percent. Um, yeah, look, at the moment, there's a lot of great options out there that it, um, at least have some thematic tailwinds behind them um, that'll, that'll give you the same stats. Um, if you've got it, I'd certainly be happy to hold it. Um, it's probably one of those, I think in the long term, and I'm talking, you know, two to three years, um, it's, it's probably going to benefit from this. I think it'll take out weaker competition. It's low debt, it's well run. Um, so I, I think it'll, it will come out probably far better um, out of this sort of market route um, and, and out of any you know, potential recession. Um, but when you've got really high quality companies that are yielding you know, more than this and with PEs lower and the entire sector is against it at the moment, the, the, the selling in the sector, yeah. it's very hard to say, look, you definitely would hold it, I think, if you've got it. Well, um, that's what I was going to yeah. ask. Um, because why, if you've made good on it through uh, you know, that peak that we saw mm. in, the, in the pandemic, uh, let me just see on my chart. So that was, yeah. At the beginning of this year, why wouldn't you sell it to get into some of these perhaps uh, more value-oriented options that are presenting um, themselves right now? Well, I mean, look, you, I mean, you may a, a lot of 
A lot of um, you know clients we've got at the moment are just very you know they want to just you know let things settle um, and they they don't want to be moving things around too much. Stock specific stuff can be very tricky as it stands at mm-hmm. the moment. So you know if you if you're comfortable with it and you've been comfortable with the downtrend so far and you're happy to take the dividend, look, it, it just depends on on your time frame. It depends on what sort of investor you are. Um, Look, if you you know if you're looking for income, I think that I think this is something that you want to be looking at maybe um, into reporting season, because um, by that time you know potentially VIX has come come back down again, and then some normalities come back to the market, and they're more than likely going to surprise okay. you know even if they even if they bring a result in anywhere near last result, I mean they're they're very cheap, mm-hmm. but but do you need to risk it until then? You're okay. Probably stepping in with new money, I don't think you need to. Um, and there's yeah, there's a lot of other stuff in the retail space as well. Just it's just big headwinds at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's definitely one to um, it'll it'll likely lag on the way back up because it's it um, it is one of those sort of um, underappreciated companies I think. Um, so you you'll probably get an opportunity once it comes back up. Okay, hold if you've got it. Don't buy it now. Let's get to number four. This is for Karen who writes in the current market conditions. Curious your views on this one and the sector in general, given input costs are rising. But Wiseway is sort of a logistics operator, if you're not familiar with it. WWG is the ticker code. So sea cargo, air cargo, customs clearance. We're obsessed with supply chains and getting things out and into the world, but it comes at a cost. Uh, What do you think of Wiseway? Uh, Look, it's a real micro cap type of stock, and they uh, just recently... uh, um, um, at the end of May, announced a four for 25 basis rights issue at 17 cents per share to raise about $4 million. And the stock is trading below that at the moment mm-hmm. at 13 cents, um, you know, to expand, um, the, to provide more working capital. Look, it's not, it's, it's such a small stock. It's not going to attract a lot of buying, or certainly not, not from institutions. Um, I'd rather stick to the big guys, guns, that's like WiseTech. I think if you're going to play in that logistics space, WiseTech is, is the space to be in. Although, again, I wouldn't be rushing to buy that one either, just given the trend of the stock and the alternatives out there. So you, you just want to, like Mike was saying, what's the alternatives? Like, you know, where can you get a bigger bang for your buck? And boy, there's a lot of choices now that are out there that are much better than microcaps like this. So, okay. You know. I'm giving you a heads up and our viewers as well. I will be asking you by the end of this program where you can get a bigger bang for oh, your buck, okay? okay. My, so you can name one or five. I don't care. Everybody would eat them my, up I out there. I can name a dozen, two dozen. <laughs> okay. All right. That's my tease to keep you tuned in. And uh, I will ask you the same question. You can just offer one or two. Wiseway Group, is it, you know, the illiquidity as well that's a bit of an issue? Yeah, look, it's it's too small to be mucking around with at the moment. Um, I'd pretty much, you know, reflect, uh, completely echo uh, David's comments there. It's, yeah, 22-odd million or something, I think. Um, and, look, it may do well, uh, but, you know, in the meantime, you probably can pick up some great dividends um, in quality companies elsewhere. So, yeah, look, it's it's certainly way... Um, and return on equity hasn't been great. Um, look, it's, it's fairly cheap, but the whole market's cheap. So it's, yeah, it... And I, yeah, I'd really struggle to, um, you know, to be allocating cash to to micro caps like this at the moment. Yeah, um, no matter no matter what the sector, yeah. it have to be a really really solid case. 
uh, and with an upcoming catalyst uh, for, for us to be considering those sorts of tiny, tiny stocks. Got it. All right, let's get to the next on the list, SGR, Star Entertainment Group. Greg writes, it seems to be scandalous to be worth it, but considering the Crown takeover, will this stock benefit? I'll start with you on this one, Mark, for Star Entertainment Group. You know, obviously regulatory issues, you know, questions mm. as to whether it will retain its license to operate in uh, in Sydney, but uh, there is a market, and even in depression or, you know, recessionary times, uh, the punters still come out. Yeah, look, I think, you know, there, there's, a, there's a million reasons you could probably justify a purchase. There's a million reasons against. Um, at this point in time, you know, I, d- I don't, I try to discourage um, clients from, you know, from investing uh, on the back of a, you know, a potential, you know, a very speculative potential takeover. The ACCC's we saw yesterday with link market services and things like that have been, um, mm. you know, have been a little bit, haven't sort of just let things f- just go through as it stands at the moment and obviously, um, you know, that's that's potentially a little bit of a headwind for it being taken over. Um, I'd probably prefer... It, look, it's it's got really quality... It's really good quality property. Um, the higher interest rates are obviously going to sort of put a little bit of a dent in that property portfolio as well. Um, I'd probably prefer something like Aristocrat in this space. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's very cheap and it's, you know, I think you've got a lot more certainty on outlook there. Um, and then put, you know, but look, gambling, gambling rises in a recession. Um, so I think, you know, Aristocrat's probably, a, it's a more diversified and a better, a better way of um, getting, you know, getting uh, some exposure to that so that's where I'd be heading in that space but yeah it's it's just one to keep on the watch list for now because eventually the um, eventually someone will take interest because the, the price will get low enough that you know um, you know it, it, it'll be near NTA so okay so that is a that's a hold if you've got it yeah look I, I, to be honest I, I'd, I'd switch to aristocrat I'd aristocrat? sell it and buy aristocrat okay so that's a sell so we've got a sell there and I see you nodding with aristocrat I must have Mark must have read my notes <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly exactly what I was going to say get out of sell sell star and get into aristocrat aristocrat down here is looking really starting to look really attractive but again the trend's negative so you wouldn't be rushing into guns blazing but boy aristocrats looking really good this is just too speculative i mean there's a you know independent inquiry going on with the queensland attorney general why would you be in this space really it's too too speculative yeah don't be blinded uh, by cheap prices there's opportunities but cheap doesn't necessarily mean good or opportunity yeah that, that was number five on the list. So time to take a bit of a pause and uh, sum up what we've learned so far. Stock of the day, GUD. It's a buy for David Novak from Wealthwise because it's uh, looking, looking pretty cheap right now and it's a good business, but it's a hold for Mark from Macro Capital. Woolworths, it's a hold for both of my guests. David says it is looking good value, but technically it's not a buy right now. We'll be talking about momentum, I suppose, a lot through this program, you know, when to to time your entry. And again, Look, a bonus buy, I suppose, from Mark from Macro is the food ETF. He just sees that technically Woolworths remains under pressure. Block, it's an avoid or a sell for both of my guests. Uh, They do not like this space in general. 
And Mark just says, now's not the time to be making a bet that Block is going to emerge a winner, or uh, you know, even if there are some of these buy now, pay later names that do survive. Michael Hill, it's a hold from Mark, but he says keep it on your watch list. I might see a bit of an uptick around reporting season. The trend is negative, though, in David's view. Although it's yielding about 7%, he's just not very keen on the discretionary retail space right now as we see interest rates rising and a bit more pressure on consumers, clearly because of the cost of living. Wiseway, it's a small microcap company in logistics. David questions why you'd want to be in a microcap in that space. Stick with the big guns, WiseTech, and even there, it's a matter of, of the trend. Uh, no rush to get into that, but you would want to, in this environment, stick with the big names. And that's pretty much what, what Mark was saying as well. It's just too small to be messing around with microcaps, and uh, especially when the whole market is cheap. And we will be getting some buys from these gentlemen a little bit later on. Star Entertainment, again, it's a sell. So, you know, you gotta know when to sell it. Uh, as, and that's what it is for Star, but both agree that Aristocrat is looking very cheap at these levels. Again, though, uh, David points out that the trend still for Aristocrat is negative, so you wouldn't be going in and buying all guns blazing. It's watch list uh, material as far as Star Entertainment goes for Mark, but again, just too hard basket when you've got quality out there like Aristocrat. So everything that's discussed on this show in terms of two buys gets put to our investment committee. The latest meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. Let's check in with the portfolio update. Uh, West Farmers, Elders and ResMed were added, shifting the original allocations and spending cash as well. So far, the fund is down around 9% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. See if we can turn that around. We've got another investment committee meeting coming at the end of the month. And keep sending your requests, of course, to us here because uh, this is considered the first filter and always good value and a lot of fun. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. So coming up in the next half hour, Monash, IVF, Link, Viva Leisure, Waypoint REIT, and Yan Cole. Here with me in studio is Mark Gardner from Macro Capital and David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Guys, let's get to it. Monash IVF, this is for Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Hope you're listening or watching. Um, she's interested considering Virtus just paid out a dividend. Virtus also subject to a takeover. Um, she's saying, I'm just not willing to buy it, though, because basically... It's all snapped up at this point. So is Monash worth a buy? So I guess she's looking at Monash uh, over Virtus because of what's going on in the takeover front. Um, I had a good chat with uh, Claude Walker from uh, A Rich Life yesterday at Bonaf IVF. He's, he's sort of looking at this as a good sort of dividend payer right now. Yeah, look, the numbers, um, the, this is um, looking really cheap down here. Um, they, they also just acquired um, a medical centre in WA, so they're expanding. And um, this is um, in the I IVF um, ultrasound area as well. So, uh, and that the the, um, the business, I think is called Pivot, yeah, Pivot Medical Centre, and that's been in business since 1981. So, you know, they're expanding their presence. I mean, they have been hit by COVID, of mm -hmm. course. And so uh, the, they've, they've advised patients to hold off 
until you know they obviously uh, recover from the um, you know uh, the COVID, and then they're expecting growth in the second half of this year. So they they they're still anticipating. They gave a trading update mid-May saying that they expect new IVF patient registrations a strong five percent higher uh, to the comparative period and um, a solid platform for growth going forward to next year. So it's just the January, April period that uh, it was down by 26% uh, due to COVID cases. But otherwise, their, their forecast net profit after tax is 22 million. Um, so on a multi earnings multiple, I mean, their, their market cap is what, around 350 million or something like that, mm -hmm. not overly expensive. Um, and it's paying a reasonable dividend yield of about 4.5% fully frank. So it looks really good value down here. Um, yeah, look, I wouldn't be adverse to accumulating, not you know, not going in guns. But but again, it comes back to my first point, earlier point about where is the best bang for your buck right now? Mm -hmm. Not for, uh, it wouldn't be for me here. Mm -hmm. There's other spaces that are much more attractive in terms of the return on equity you can get and dividend yield. So, but. But look, it's it's looking great value at the moment down here. Okay. Now, what do you think, Mark? Uh, because counter to that, yes, the COVID issues are waning. Um, but I wonder if we do see a slowdown in economic growth, if people's back pockets are coming under a bit more pressure. Is this discretionary? Is IVF discretionary? Yeah, look, it's it's still healthcare. Um, and if people, you know, people will sacrifice um, mm -hmm. to if they really want to have a baby. So... Uh, and it's one of those, you know, really horrible things. Um, so I think um, it is at the discretionary end. Um, so I wouldn't call it purely non-cyclical, but I, I think it's still in the non-cyclical category because, um, you know, you, I think there's, there is a whole myriad of things that you would, um, that you would, if you really wanted to have a baby, you would sacrifice mm -hmm. uh, before, you know, you sacrifice this. So there is going to, I think this is an absolute screaming buy just in terms of, um, if we're going to have, you know, I agree with David's point. There is a lot of things out there that have better that have better you mm -hmm. know, numbers. However, mm. it's very, very difficult to get something in the healthcare space that yields, that has a PE that's not like 40 and above. Uh, this thing's uh, forward PE is even only 17. They've got a huge amount of pent-up demand. They went around and snapped up, um, I think, some uh, businesses in WA, Queensland and Singapore. Mm -hmm. I think they've got them, you know, they've done that. That's a really smart acquisition. They're pretty much going to add 4% to their NPAT almost immediately. Um, so, and, you know, they're, they're very low debt, but they're, they're trading at half of the sector PE, um, even on a forward basis, which is fairly underestimated. I've got, I've sort of got more of a yield around, you know, around the 6% mark. Um, that might just be due to, you know, due to pricing. But, um, but yeah, look, if, you know, this is a good, this is a good thing to be able to put in your portfolio that's going to be, you know, fairly, fairly non-cyclical in the event we go into a recession, which realistically is managed to yield that despite the headwinds. Um, I'd be really interested to see, you know, with, um, you know, with six, six or eight new centres and COVID dropping off and then all that pent-up demand coming through, you know, this thing could perform extraordinarily well and it's, not, it's really not a sector that, um, you know, that's, that's going to go as backward as hard as um, some, of those, uh, some of those cyclical sectors. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's a huge buy for us. Okay, great. Now, let's get on to the next one on the list. 
Uh, this is Link uh, for James. James, there's been a lot of news associated with Link as of late. Share prices tanked in the past couple of days. Looks to be some issues with the takeover coming through. It was a stock of the day yesterday, so we can probably keep this short but sweet. Is there any reason to buy Link? No. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. It's and, a, I mean, there's a group uh, yesterday announced there's a, a group litigation order against the company. So that's number one, you know, you, why you'd avoid it as well. But also just, you know, ACCC is looking at this in terms of competition under the Takeover Act. That there's, um, you know, it's the the offer was I think five dollars fifty plus the div of three cents fully franked or something. However, uh, the, the the ACCC are looking at this because Link has a shareholding in a company that could actually affect competition. And I forget the name Pexa. of the company. Yeah, and um, so Pexa, that's it, Pexa. And um, so this is just, you know, that's why the stock is down. It's an avoid. Completely. Completely avoid. Would you go running from the room? Oh, look, I wouldn't have even bought this when the market was buoyant. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the business at all. Um, Same parts of the business are okay, um, but the majority of it's rubbish. Um, so, yeah, no, complete avoid for me. My guests are getting along very well today. <laughs> They're very like-minded, uh, but that's your verdict on Link James. And let's get to the next one on the list, which is Viva Leisure. This one is from Tim. Now, I'm just now... Uh, trying to remember. I think we had a bit of an update coming from Viva just this week or late last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what do you think of Viva for Tim? Uh, Viva looks great. Yeah. Uh, I've got to say, um, not if you look back at the historical numbers because they got affected by COVID, of course. Yeah, yeah this is fitness, fitness. Um, but this is looking, yeah. uh, I, I've got to say, I haven't looked at this business before, um, Viva, closely. But I, I like their uh, their numbers and the growth outlook for the the company and the centres they're opening up and they're mostly focused in you know suburban regional areas as well so uh, locality is really important to people going to to the um, to the gym and they offer you know there's a variety of um, um, sort of different yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I know what you're saying there's different uh, uh, options available yeah. of the fitness market you know there's boutique there's standard there's what they call big box express I don't know what these are but you know obviously um, uh, I haven't been finding out myself. Yeah, yeah. Or going to find out, but but look, their EBITDA uh, is looking very positive. I mean, on the revenue point, they're making like nine and a half to ten million per, uh, every month. Yeah, and it's so, uh, they've it's correct. They upgraded their guidance just earlier this week on Tuesday. So look, this is this this looks really good. I'm very impressed that they've got Australia, you know, every state presence in every state, mostly in New South Wales, um, expanding at 34. Yeah, they've, they've got about, what, 350 centres or something. But um, this looks really attractive, I've got to say. I, I would rate this as a buy. It's buy. A, there you uh, go. Yeah. You sound surprised, but <laughs> what about that chart? That's not a concern? Well, um, it, it, well yeah, it's not. <laughs> but down here, I've got to say, yeah. it's, jeez, uh, uh, fundamentally, it's, I've got to, look, you wouldn't be rushing in to, to you know, um, put all your eggs in one basket, that's for sure, and you never do anyway. But down here, just like accumulate on these numbers that I'm seeing, with the earning EBIT margin of 20% as well, um, these um, it's coming down to like the where the post-COVID lows are as as, as well. Mm-hmm. So look, the valuation um, it's it's not undemanding, and it's you know you're talking a low earnings multiple. I think it's like five or six times. It's it's a buy. Is it a buy high. for you? Uh, it's look, it's cheap, um, but unfortunately, fund investors aren't really, you know, that fundamentally minded at the moment. Um, I think I, I 
for me, it's more of a watch list. Um, I do agree with David. It looks like a great business. Um, I, I would be more concerned. You know, we've had the consumer discretionary get hit. Um, you know, I, I'd be that'd be the first thing on my list. I'd be taking off if I was, you know, if if, if I was had a household budget constraint is uh, gym membership or personal training. So, uh, look, it. Um, I think those figures may be, you know, maybe a little bit skewed because we've had, you know, we've had six months of fairly, you know, fairly buoyant, you know, economic conditions, and people are making good money, and we've reopened, and it's been great to get back to the gym. But um, whether that, you know, if we do roll into a recession, whether, you know, whether that turns around really quickly, um, is another is another thing. So I look, I yeah, fundamentally looks fantastic, but. I'm just I'm just a touch wary. I'm a little bit once bitten, twice shy. Um, you know, in this consumer discretionary space at the moment, where where things have things have looked like extraordinarily great value and then gone another 25%. So, it. Um, but yeah, look, I think you've got plenty of justification to hold it. That's mm. for sure. But mm-hmm. I. I would probably like to see the broader consumer discretionary, um, and look, and you know, maybe a few, a few more inflation numbers, etc. It might be, it might be one that coming into reporting season. You know, if it's going to pay some form of dividend or whatever, then maybe um, you, know, you might have a look at it. But there's going to be you know, 30 opportunities there. So. Yeah, again, it comes back to would you would it be at the top of my buy list? No, definitely not. Mm. Be right, right down, or you could watch list it. You know, mm-hmm. but. Now you're confusing me. Yeah, Buy or right. watch list? <laughs> oh, gosh. Look, I, I'll echo Mark's thing. I, I think, it, look, if you've got it, to hold. Um, but uh, you wouldn't be rushing in to buy right now. I'll okay? scratch my I'll, buy out. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back on that. But I've I got to say, it's very attractive down here. Okay. On, on in, da- in David's defence, we are down 7% this, you know, this week. And uh, yeah. the, market, the market's, you know, analysts are saying the sky's falling. So it's, uh, it's not too It's not, it's too not easy to be, uh, to, <laughs> not to easy to be All definitive. Right. Don't forget, we've got some of David's buys coming up a little bit later on. Let's get to Waypoint Reit. This is for Ian, just looking for a bit of a review on the company, I suppose, looking where the opportunity is. Mark, buy, hold, sell, Waypoint Reit. Uh, love this. Absolutely a buy. Um, this is the definitive being thrown, baby being thrown out with the bathwater. Um, this REIT's pretty much designed to be extraordinarily stable. Um, its debt ratio is at the lower end of its um, lower end of its bracket. Um, it's just recently refinanced and lengthened its um, lengthened its, its you know its average financing out to five years, which actually reduced its interest costs. So interest rates aren't a worry for this thing um, for at least five years. So, mm-hmm. and according to CBA and Westpac etc., we'll be cutting rates by next year. So you know maybe it, it'll it'll essentially sort of ride this out a little bit. Um, it doesn't have any doesn't have any maintenance costs. Uh, everything is on the uh, is on the the lease or um, through the lease uh, to for any of the costs. Um, it's yielding ten percent. Its PE is like in low single digits. Um, and yeah, look, their their average whales is well over ten you know ten years as well. So it's actually trading at a twenty five percent discount to NTA. So even if property prices get scaled back twenty five percent, this thing still is going to be cheap. So I you know, and you get a quarterly you get a dividend paid quarterly, and you're basically getting two and a half percent a month, and just about at these prices. So yeah, absolutely buy this one. Yeah. Do you agree on this one? Oh. Totally. I mean, look, I haven't looked at Waypoint um, before, but I, 
I've got to say, I was very impressed with, if you're looking for a REIT and, and something that's defensive in this sector with CPI linking as well, uh, this is the one. I mean, gosh, I mean, we're, we're talking about 9.5% yield here, 9.5% paid quarterly. Um, $3 billion in their property valuation. They, they've sold some properties, about 26, and they've got 100, 100, uh, 29 properties recently, and that, that settles at the end of this month, and it's coming in about $141 million coming in. And they're looking at what they'll announce what they're going to do with that. It'll either be distributed back to shareholders. They're actually doing a share buyback as well. And I think, you know, down here, I've got to tell you, um, I, I was very impressed. And I, I think if you're looking for something that's re recessionary proof, this is the one. I actually bought some shares uh, after going through the numbers here. I was that impressed. Did you? With it. Great. Absolutely. Because Great. of the yield. Um, this is better than, you know, your Sydney airports, as far as I'm concerned, or all those other, uh, you know, toll roads. I mean, you can argue with those. But this is... Yeah. This has got service stations, you know, across the. Across yeah, Australia. they're not they're not going anywhere. They're and not, look, and, and, and a lot of these leases are indexed to inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And if interest rates are going up, nowhere near as much as inflation is, so they're actually getting increased rents. So I think the market has flatly mispriced quite a few rates, um, and there is some huge bargains yeah. in that space. Because look yeah. at that chart, even just over the past uh, few months. So that is a screaming buy waypoint REIT and uh, look, yeah, uh, further capital management likely to come in FY22. So yeah. you'd be in for that as well. Yeah, it's, um, look, it was uh, outstanding. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a buyer. Yeah, mm. money where your mouth is. I love it. All right, last on the list is Yan Cole from Ben. Don't know if he holds it or if he's looking to buy it. But we know that that's been one of the big themes coming through in uh, in the past mm. year or so is the price of coal. Enough to make you mm. buy? Uh, not this one, no. Um, look, there, there's been some um, sort of potential transaction with, um, I think, the Yankol's biggest shareholder here. I haven't gone through to look at it, but there's a, a taker off, offer about $3.60 US, which equates to about $5.00. Uh, just over five dollars, and it's trading above that um, takeover price. But look, for me, um, he, and his opportunity, if you get, look, the coal space is is a great space right now. They're just printing money. Um, but if you want to get into this space, this is one of my buys. Is through um, a fund, a boutique um, managed fund uh, that's been around for 17 years. ASX Listed Investment Corporation LIC, called Cadence Capital (CDM) is the code. Now the viewers are going to love this one um, because if you want to get into the coal space, if you look at their top 20 holdings of Cadence Capital, which they mm -hmm. release every month and plus they also release the NTA value every week mm -hmm. on the Friday close. So last Friday the NTA value of the fund was $1.17. The stock price is trading at 86 cents. Now in that portfolio at the end of May they had 35% cash. Mm -hmm. They got stocks in the energy sector like Santos, BHP, you're buying at a 25% discount to NTA and three coal stocks, Whitehaven, Stanford, um, uh, Coronado, Stanford, yeah. and um, what was the other one that I just uh, forgot about, but you know, three leading coal stocks, you're getting at a 25% discount, plus Santos and you know, it's, it's his portfolio, I mean I love, and plus it's a short fund as well, so they've got short positions as well to hedge the downside. Now I, I suspect Carl who runs it is, is, I've been in the fund for more than 10 years myself, average return around 13% 
fully franked dividend yield now approaching 9% on the current price, fully franked. So you have to get close to 12, 13% in a bank. Um, and you're getting these assets, and I'd say he's moved probably more than 50% cash easily. So you're getting a discount of cash plus three coal assets. Um, so I don't know, what, what, what more do you want? I mean, that's, um, and this is the irrational behavior going on out there that I love, you know? I mean, I'm getting a portfolio of stocks and you could take, take a look at the top uh, 20 holdings. AGL, AMP, yep. BR Boss Energy, Champion Iron, Coronado, Flight Center. Okay, they've probably got real flights there. Marathon Oil in the US. Uh, you've got Santos, you've got uh, Sims Metals, Stan Stanmore Coal, Whitehaven Coal, Coronado. Mm -hmm. So there's three coal stocks in itself. So um, there you go. You know, if you want leverage into a space and getting at a 25% discount, here it is. Ben, don't go for Yan Coal. In uh, David's view, you want to go for Cadence Capital CDM. CDM. Yeah, we'll be looking into that one. What do you think about Yan Coal? Uh, look, it's got a great balance sheet. Uh, it's great yield. The coal thematic um, is just—it's just the necessary evil um, for the time being. Um, and look, you know, Western Australia has had an announcement recently; they're unwinding any kind of, um, you know, baseload electricity from from coal, etc. So look, but everyone knows that it's coming eventually. Um, but I think at the moment, governments are going to be a little bit. Um, standoffish in terms of trying to switch to green energy and add even further um, household um, you know household costs pressure to, to families so it could be one of these things where they start to they start to sort of step back from that you know really hard line where we're going to green and because you know they've got to get re-elected before this thing plays out so they may be you know they may push that back and let someone else make the decision so yeah, look, I'm, you know, uh, David's uh, fund sounds fantastic. I'm, I'd still rate this a buy. Um, there's realistically, there's going to be no new coal, you know, coal mines approved. So there's a shortage of this stuff, it's, which is absolutely ripe for, you know, for for more takeover bids. I can understand why they knock back a fight because they know they will know they know they're in demand. Mm -hmm. um, their debt, there's very little debt, and I think as you saw with, I think it was Whitehaven pretty much paid down half of or half or more of their entire debt just out of profits last year. So these guys are printing money at the moment and you, you might be in a, a situation where, you know, even though it's eventually just going to wind up, maybe they, um, you know, maybe you probably get enough dividends in the meantime, you know, to pretty much cover most of it. And maybe maybe they diversify or maybe they just get taken over. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's only really trading at, well, I think, 1.2 um, price to assets. So it's, it's not like it's massively expensive. So um, I think, uh, you know, I, I'd ra I, I tend to play the energy space as a bit of a basket, but coal is still, you know, a very heavy allocation and then I'm basically over say you know five to ten year period it'll just be it'll be slowly switching mm -hmm. you know, out of the green stuff uh, sorry out of the out of the dirty you know, the brown energy into the into the green energy but um, you know particularly with these pricing pressures at the moment on on households I, I just can't see you know whether the flip the, the switch the, being the, flipped yeah so yeah I, th I think it was it was a lot easier when we you know when we had you know much more buoyant you know we weren't worried about inflation etc so okay. it, um, but at the moment I think that it's you know it's it's going to still stay. a buy yeah, Got yeah it. absolutely okay let's just review uh, the last five companies before I get a couple of stock picks from my guest Monash IVF it is a buy 
But uh, in David's sense, it's an accumulate, so you don't rush in, but they both say it's looking very, very cheap, and Mark points out that it is, in fact, non-cyclical. It's a screaming buy for Mark. No, no for Link. Don't go there. No need to. Viva Leisure, both are just impressed by this company, the fundamentals. Uh, but again, Mark is questioning whether the tide is against it with the rising cost of living. Will people still spend up for their gym memberships? It's on his watch list, though. I've scratched out a buy for David. It's now on his watch list. It's just looking such great value, and he's really impressed with the metrics of the company overall. But I think he's going to watch it to see. Waypoint, this is a screaming buy from both of my guests. Uh, Mark says it's a classic baby meeting the bathwater. And David says, look, it's defensive in this nature. He's actually put his money where his mouth is. Bought some after researching the company. Yeah, so thank you, Ian, for bringing that to David's <laughs> attention. And Yankel, we've got an alternative buy coming from David Cadence Capital CDM. It's an M fund, uh, but it gives you exposure to those coal names plus, 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 plus in his view. Buy for Yankel, still for Mark. He just doesn't see this green switch being flipped right now, as you just heard. So that brings us to the end of the program, almost. Uh, David's been very, uh, very kind in alluding to all of these better bargains than even some of these that have come to our attention today. So, David, like what? Well, uh, like a lot of viewers out there who know me uh, over the last year, few years, especially the last year, there's a stock that I mentioned in the iron ore sector, high-grade premium iron ores, Grange Resources, when it was 30 cents last year. Um, couldn't believe where I was trading at that, and now it's, uh, you know, uh, $1.40 odd. Uh, got to a high of $1.76, so it's up 500%. Still paying, like on an earnings multiple of three times, still paying, I mean, if you bought it uh, within the last 12 months, you would have got a 18% uh, fully frank dividend yield at its current price, right, which is extraordinary. There's another one that's a sister to this, okay? Much smaller, half the uh, production rate, but grossly undervalued. It's the top of my buy list. It's called Phoenix Resources, mm -hmm. FEX. Trading at 28.5 cents today. Uh, market cap of 150 million. These numbers will blow you away. Uh, they're a, a Midwestern Australian, again, high grade iron ore, premium iron ore producer. They truck the ore from Midwestern Australia to the port of Geraldton. They own uh, part of the port. So, in their um, balance sheet, like their, their balance sheet, they had cash of 86 million at the end of March. Okay? Now, 150 million market cap, 86 yeah. million in cash, that'll be over 100 million by June, easily this, by this quarter, because they generate 30 million positive cash flow in one quarter. So you just extrapolate the numbers. They pay, already paid out a five, so this will be their first full year of production, which will knock the socks off when people see these numbers, that they, uh, the return on equity will just blow you away. And this has already paid out a five cent dividend after four months of initial production when they started in April last year, which is on a 17% fully franked yield. Yeah. So uh, I could go on no. and on. <laughs> That's so generous. Uh, Grange Resources, Phoenix Resources to and buy. Cadence. And, and Cadence. I mean, there's many more out there. Beach Petroleum is now. But those ones would be at the top of my list. You're yeah. welcome, viewers. Sector, company specifics, we've got like 30 seconds or so. Uh, look, I think uh, obviously a lot of those, uh, PLS in the lithium sector, Paladin in the uranium sector, um, for more of the boring stuff, uh, I think Macquarie is extraordinarily cheap down here. Um, and yeah, and a few of the names that we've had today, Monash and, and Waypoint at the moment, and probably Elders for some agricultural exposure. Got it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was fun on a no Friday. Worries. Mark Gardner, 
Center of Macro uh, Capital as always. David Novak, Wealthwise uh, Education. It's been a while since we've had a chance to speak, so that's good. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for watching. That's the show for today. You can get your company covered. The call at ausbiz.com.au. Just send us an email. We get to them eventually and usually in pretty pretty quick time as well. So you can check out that portfolio, ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio and stick around. The small caps is next.